All right. These two verses, I invite you, we don't have any of the pew Bibles out or anything like that, but you can look it up on your phone. You can look it up on your Bibles at home. It's two verses, and I hope you will ponder this this afternoon and read the entire chapter 13 this afternoon as part of your spiritual discipline and your Sunday reflection. Jesus put before them another parable, because remember, Jesus taught in parables. He didn't answer all of our questions. He gave us a story. When we had a question, he gave us a story. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air Come and make nest in its branches. Here ends the reading. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We are in church. I hope you all, if you're not out of your seats, in your spirit, you have jumped alive. And you have remembered that we are in church. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning again. Good morning to those in the sanctuary. Good morning to those on Facebook Live. I want to tell you about a father and his four-year-old son, Jeremy. This father took his four-year-old son, Jeremy, out to McDonald's for dinner one evening because even during a pandemic, McDonald's is open, right? McDonald's has been open for takeout during the entire pandemic. So honestly, answer online, and you can say this in the uh, sanctuary as well. How many of you have had a McDonald's meal during this pandemic? Raise your, yes. Everyone's like, yep. Been to McDonald's online. Have you all been to McDonald's? And be honest, have you just had one meal or has it been twice or has it been three times or more than that? Yeah, people are like, well, McDonald's is now requiring masks in all of its locations, right? That's coming up. No masks, no burgers. And maybe that's what it's going to take, right? To get people to wear their masks is to say no mask, no burger. Perhaps it is our retailers and our grocery stores and our fast food chains requiring masks that will finally turn the pandemic tide in Ohio. You know, it's interesting to me that we were actually safer on vacation than we were coming back into Ohio because Ohio has become a hotspot. Because the governor's mask mandate, remember it was a mandate back in April, No mask, no service. It lasted a day before the flip-flop and then before the gradual um, reducing of our reliance on science and the pushing of Dr. Amy Acton's advice aside and all of that. We've talked about that. The mask mandate in April lasted a day. It then turned into a suggestion and look at where we are now, right? Now we have a mandate again, but we're playing catch-up And it's not necessarily doing the trick in our pandemic hot zone. So I, for one, am grateful that retailers and grocery stores and fast food chains like McDonald's have said no mask, no service. Because it might be that the only way 
that people are going to wear their masks is, is if they can't get their chicken nuggets and burgers at McDonald's. So let's see. But let me go back. I've riffed a little bit about the mask mandate, but we'll get to some current events and a little bit um, further into the sermons because I want to get back to four-year-old Jeremy and his McDonald's takeout meal. As they were eating their hamburgers, Jeremy asked, Daddy, what are those little things on the hamburger buns? Who can tell me what those are? Sadie, can you tell me what those little things are? I'm putting you on the spot. What are those little things on the top of the hamburger buns? Are they called? They're seeds, right? Yes. We got the answer in the sanctuary. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's, you didn't know there would be a pop quiz, right? When you come to the sanctuary. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because the kids sometimes are really honest, right? They answer our questions. They're very, very honest. And they say the first thing that comes to their mind. And um, I really, really appreciate that about all of our young people. And, um, and they know that those little things on hamburger buns are called seeds. So Jeremy's dad explained that those tiny seeds were okay to eat, right? We know that those are okay to eat. But Jeremy was quiet for a couple of minutes, and his dad could tell that Jeremy was deep in thought. Remember, Jeremy's only four. And finally, Jeremy looked up and said, Dad, if we go home and plant these seeds in our backyard, will we have enough hamburgers to last forever? So you know what the moral of that story is? Hamburgers don't grow on trees. Right? Hamburgers don't grow on trees. Well, how many of us have had the experience of coming home from school as a kid with that bean seed planted in black soil inside a paper cup or something similar? Brimming with hope, we placed that cup of dirt on a sunny windowsill somewhere. We watered it each day, and before long, there was this impertinent green sprout that was pushing its way upward toward the sun. And no inventor... Anywhere, no inventor, no matter how technically skilled, could invent something like a seed. It is a biological miracle. And a seed is the perfect, faithful example of potentiality in our world for plants, for humans, and for all creation. It is potentiality. It is what we like to call hope in a seed, which is the title of today's sermon. In fact, our creator is so abundant with seeds that did you know that the world's supply of seeds never runs out? Have you ever thought about that? Our supply of seeds has never run out. So perhaps if you question this, take a moment this next week and search for some seeds to plant in a pot on your windowsill, in your garden, on your farm, just something to remember and remind you of the power of a seed. Go to a local nursery if you haven't been. Um, Again, retailers are open. If you haven't been to a local nursery, wear your mask, keep your distance, but go and look at all their seeds. They're even in grocery stores this time of year. Or if you want to stay home, use an online gardening catalog. You can actually go to Amazon now and order seeds. But if it's been a while since you've shopped for seeds, you will be amazed at how many varieties there are to choose from. 
The world's plants are constantly sloughing off new seeds in such abundance that we can afford to reserve a few for our kindergartners to press down into cups of topsoil with chubby fingers for the sheer joy of just watching that thing grow during the school year. So let me tell you a little bit more about the power of seeds and the wonder of potentiality. There is a man who has been called the man who saved a billion lives. He has been called the man who saved a billion lives. Does anyone know who I'm talking about? You can't Google it at home and put it on Facebook Live just yet. Anybody know who I'm talking about? He's not a household name. Everybody's shaking their heads like, I don't know. The answer to the, I guess, the Jeopardy question, who is the man who saved a billion lives, is Norman Borlaug, B-O-R-L-A-U-G. He's definitely not a household name. So it's absolutely not surprising that no one knows who he is, um, or maybe that we've forgotten who he is. Dr. Borlaug was never one to seek fame, and the accomplishment that earned him the title of the man who saved a billion lives took place 55 years ago in 1965. And that was the year that Dr. Borlaug shipped the first of his new wheat seed varieties to the Indian subcontinent, making it possible to feed a billion people in India and Pakistan. Dr. Borlaug graduated from the University of Minnesota in 1942 with a Ph.D. in plant pathology and genetics, after which he accepted an agricultural research position in Mexico, where he eventually developed a short-stemmed, high-yield, disease-resistant variety of wheat. Those varieties of wheat helped Mexico turn its agricultural system around so that by 1963, it had become an exporter of wheat. So, what happened with these new wheat seeds that Dr. Borlaug developed? The standard wheat plants on which India and other places in the world had been relying unsuccessfully to feed people, they had these tall, narrow stalks with minimal seeds of, of wheat. So they were tall, they had minimal kernels, and the kernels, as they were, as they developed, they made the plant top-heavy, and so many of the plants actually fell over uh, from their own weight, and they often rotted on the ground before their harvest. They remind me of the peonies I used to grow in my garden. How many of you have grown peonies where you actually have to stake them because they're beautiful, but if you're not careful, they'll all fall over, and you actually lose all the blooms? Well, that was the problem with this, this wheat, this tall wheat that only had a few kernels. So Dr. Borlaug developed a new kind of wheat that is referred to as semi-dwarf Mexican wheat. And now you can Google it at home and figure out who Dr. Borlaug is and, and Google this semi-dwarf Mexican wheat. Have you ever heard of this kind of wheat before? Know anything about this? I always want to make sure I'm sharing with you maybe something new that you haven't heard of before. Well, this new kind of wheat had shorter and thicker stalks that remained upright even on windy days, and the new wheat actually produced more kernels per plant. Plus, this new wheat resisted the diseases and pests that had routinely afflicted the old varieties of wheat. So thanks to Dr. Borlaug's new seeds, 
India became much more self-sufficient in food production, even with its massive population. Dr. Borlaug received the Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize in 1970 in recognition of his contributions to world peace through increasing the food supply. The Nobel Committee chair explained it this way. More than any other single person of this age, Dr. Borlaug has helped to provide bread for a hungry world. The Nobel Prize Committee has made this choice in the hope that providing bread will also give the world peace. This remark reminded me of the largest table. Our community ministry on Wednesdays, and like the largest table, Dr. Borlaug was not just feeding people. He was transforming entire communities through food. And I just want to lift up our program for a minute because, you know, despite the pandemic and all the other stuff that's going on, we have not missed a meal. We've had to transform significantly. We've had to do it differently and call for help, but we haven't missed a meal. And that's made a difference. Which leads me back to our gospel text for the day. Where Jesus compares the kingdom of God to the tiniest of seeds scattered on the ground. And the seed then sprouts and grows and becomes a bush so large that birds can nest in its branches. And I invite you at home or on your phones here to um, Google a mustard seed tree to really see how big they can get. They grow taller than a man and wider than several men. And that's why the birds can nest in the trees. They become huge bushes. And a similar parable to mustard seed faith. And by the way, how many of you have heard of that before? The mustard seed faith parable. Been around for a long time. So I want to teach you some new things today. A similar parable is found in the gospel of Mark chapter 4 verses 26 through 34. I invite you to read that again today. It's called the parable of the growing seed. And whether in Matthew or Mark in Jesus' parables about mustard seed faith. The sower or the planter represents Christians who proclaim their faith to others. In the parable, the seed planter trusts that the harvest will come. Now, the planter of the seed doesn't know how the growth is going to occur, but the planter knows that the growth does occur. The planter trusts that it will occur. This was an important lesson for the first century Christians after Jesus was no longer with them. They could recall that Jesus had said that the kingdom of God would grow like the seed toward harvest. And this reassured them that the growth of the kingdom would proceed according to God's plan. You know, the early church followers didn't know when the faithful crop would ripen. But they trusted that in God's time, it would. So the earliest Christians were able to live an unfailing hope as they continued to plant seeds of faith based on trust and not sight. These early Christians firmly believed that the Christian crop would not fail. And I'm here to tell you that here we are 2,000 years later, right? They could never have imagined where we would be today. Here we are thousands of years later because of those seeds that were planted way back when. We need to hear this message today. We need to hear this gospel today. We live in a time of rapid change, 
as progressive churches like ours were already working hard to spread Jesus's message of equality and love for all, no exceptions. Can I get an amen? Now we also have to wrestle with the impact of the pandemic on our church and on our community. We also have to continue to address social justice issues like Black Lives Matters and the situation in Portland this past week. How many of you know what's going on in Portland? Raise your hand. Let us know online. You know, there's some sort of, I come back into Ohio and some sort of militarized police force showed up in Portland to restore order and to distract the country from Trump's disastrous handling of the pandemic leading to the Portland Wall of Moms, and then the dads with leaf blowers, and now the Wall of Vets joining the protesters to stand for justice. I don't know who's next, but I really like to see all these groups of people coming out in support of what's happening in Portland. So whether you're part of the Wall of Moms or the dad with leaf leaf blowers or you're part of the Wall of Vets or you're part of something else, you're part of a different group, I support your efforts to stand for justice here in Columbus and Portland and all across the country. Plus this week, and this really struck a chord for me, and I wanted to mention it in today's sermon. This week, we saw another stunning effort to dismantle the sexism and patriarchy embedded in our power structures. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We got some hands up. A huge shout out to AOC and her epic public takedown of Representative Ted Yoho. I want to say Yahoo, but I'm restraining myself. I'm going to be polite and said Representative Ted Yoho. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please do Google it this afternoon. Watch the videos. Watch the news reports. There was an incident on Capitol Hill this past Monday when Representative Yoho from Florida... And maybe I'm particularly attuned to this because my daughter has been really involved. She's in political science. She's a poli-sci major. She wants to go to law school. She wants to be in public service. And I'm really sensitive to what our young women face when they face people like Representative Yoho. You know, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, what, 29 years old? And this man is twice her age. So I'm really sensitive to this. And I'm sensitive to what our young women go through and our our girls. And Representative Yoho from Florida called his fellow representative from New York disgusting, and I can't repeat the words. You all know him online, right? You know him here. He called her an F-N-N-B-N-N, and I'm not going to even add all that from the pulpit. But he called her a really striking expletive which was overheard and documented by a reporter, thank God. Because then he couldn't deny it, right? It was documented by a reporter. When he was caught red-handed, so to speak, Representative Yoho tried to do one of those non-apology apologies that so many women have heard too many times. Can I get an amen? A non-apology apology when a man in power tries to diminish and dismiss and dehumanize a young woman. So when Representative Yoho, when he was caught red-handed, tried to do, tried to do one of those non-apology apologies, 
AOC, I'm going to use her acronym, AOC made historic remarks on the House floor this past Thursday. And I'm just going to read you what the news report said about what happened. At 11.02 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday, sorry, I'll get emotional. C-SPAN sent out a tweet. We wouldn't know about this. I mean, how many of you are watching C-SPAN on a regular basis? Let's be honest, right? One of the most boring shows on cable news, right? How many people watch C-SPAN unless they're, they're prompted? But at 11.02 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday, C-SPAN sent out a tweet with New York Democratic Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's full remarks on the House floor regarding a confrontation with Florida Republican Representative Ted Yoho on Monday. Within six hours, it became the most retweeted post ever sent by the network. Within the tweet's first 24 hours, it had been retweeted more than 95,000 times and had more than 220,000 likes, and this was as of Thursday. The video itself, if you haven't watched it, watch it this afternoon, watch it with your kids, especially with your girls. Within six hours, according to C-SPAN, the video itself, which runs just short of 10 minutes, it had been viewed almost 12 million times. Think about that, that 10-minute video. It's hard to get people to watch one minute of video when they're scrolling through stuff or getting a tweet. 10-minute video on Thursday had been viewed almost 12 million times, which makes it the sixth most watched C-SPAN video ever, and it is the most watched C-SPAN house clip ever, even though it had been, it had been posted only 24 hours before. So think about that. That C-SPAN, the house version, this was the most posted clip ever in C-SPAN's history within 24 hours. AOC's takedown of Yoho for sexism after he called her an effing you-know-what clearly struck a chord. And I'm here to say it sure did. It sure did. And here is where... I tie Dr. Borlaug into this story, thanks be to God, and his faith in the power of seeds to change the world. Recall that Dr. Borlaug was a key figure for the eradication of world hunger by changing the seeds that we use to produce wheat for food. Dr. Borlaug's work led to organizations like Bread for the World. Have you heard of Bread for the World? Raise your hand. Give us an amen online. It's a Christian charity dedicated to organizing people of faith to end hunger. I've had good friends who've worked for Bread for the World. It is a fantastic organization. Just Google Bread for the World and Dr. Borlaug and see everything that comes up this afternoon and navigate all of the great things that one man's belief in the power of seeds has led to and where we are today. Well, this is where we tie this all together. Guess who, until this week's events with AOC, served on the board of Bread for the World? Guess who? Representative Yahoo. I mean, Yoho. Sorry. Can't help it. Because actions have consequences, right? Actions have consequences, and they should. 
Representative Yoho was forced to resign his board seat on this world-class organization because, quote, as the board said, his recent actions and words, as reported in the media, are not reflective of the ethical standards expected of members of our boards of directors. Actions have consequences, and they should. There is a reckoning happening in our world. It is happening whether it comes to patriarchy and sexism, whether it is happening with respect to racism and the inequality of power and economic redistribution and hunger and poverty. And I could go on, but there is a reckoning happening during this pandemic because there is a potential in this pandemic. And I want us to keep focusing on the potential in the pandemic, not the panic in the pandemic and all of the protestations of the pandemic and all of the problems with the pandemic. But let's focus on the potentiality of the pandemic. Because we have an opportunity here. Because a reckoning is happening in our world, all across the world. May these seeds of change, these mustard seeds of universal human dignity that Dr. King and John Lewis used to talk about, mustard seeds of universal human dignity, may they continue to manifest profound changes in our society to create a more just world for all. Because as AOC says, and Hank too, and I want a big amen from Hank on this, because as AOC and Hank both say, bees get stuff done, right? Hank has told me that when I've been called that and it hurt my feelings and I didn't know what to do. Hank was the one who's like, oh, but Ginny, you forget. Bees get stuff done. So let us not forget that we can reclaim that term and we can give it some power back. Right. We're just going to reclaim it because here at St. John's. We are investing everything that we have and everything that we are, and we're resisting the name-calling and the attempts to dehumanize and degrade and all of that. We are spreading a life-changing gospel of equality and justice, just like the early Christians, because we firmly believe in the awesome power of the mustard seed of faith and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. As Henry David Thoreau once wrote, Though I do not believe that a plant will spring up where no seed has been, I have great faith in a seed. Convince me that you have a seed there, and I am prepared to expect wonders. The early Christian church was just a seed. It was a seed church filled with a motley crew of disciples living at the edges of society. And yet that tiny plant-filled seed of 2,000 years ago is why we're here today and it continues to change the world. I hope you'll remember all of that. I hope you'll Google this quote and put it on your fridge, keep it on your phone. Well, I want to add one more piece to this sermon today. And it's because some of you have told me that you've just had it with this marathon of a pandemic. You've just had it with the continued social unrest. You're burnt out. You're exhausted. You're under, overwhelmed by all the anxiety and trauma of living in 2020. Can I get an amen? You don't need to own this online if it's too private and you don't want to. But if you want to own it online, go ahead. But some of you have said you are underwater right now with everything that's been happening. 
So I want to bring today's Hope in a Seed message home for you with an old movie, right? Because Hollywood's not making new movies right now. Have you noticed that? We've got to recycle through all the old movies. And so we've got to find the ones that we really want to watch. And I do hope this is a movie you will revisit this week as you seek renewed hope and inspiration for the second half of 2020. So if you are feeling overwhelmed and underwater, watch this movie. Some of you may have seen it when it came out 20 years ago. And you know, now it seems really dated. 20 years ago doesn't seem that far ago for me. But now I look at it, it was like, oh yeah, it looks really dated. But the movie is called Oh God. Do you remember this movie, Oh God, starring George Burns and John Denver? If your kids haven't seen it, it's, you can just Google it and bring it up on a screen. But it's called, called Oh God with George Burns and John Denver. But before you think that the movie is too dated, remember that this is the movie that inspired, number one, Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey. You know that movie? Raise your hand, get an amen online. Number two, it inspired the movie Evan Almighty with my college classmate, Steve Carell. Got a name drop every now and then. That's a great movie, Evan Almighty. And number three, you might not know that the movie Oh God also inspired Joan Osborne to write her well-known song, What If God Was One of Us? So this has been a movie that's inspired current music, current film, and I hope that it inspires you. So let's go back to the original movie today for our inspiration. If you've never seen it before, I'll just set the stage quickly. George Burns plays God. John Denver plays a grocery store manager named Jerry. 20 years ago when the movie was made, as is the case today, Christianity was losing its influence in society. So one day God decides to communicate his love to the world through Jerry. But first, God interviews Jerry. And you'll, you'll recognize this scene from the Jim Carrey movie too. But God interviews Jerry. Now, I want to say to those of you who are watching Facebook Live, we're going to play a couple of film clips on our screen here. But if for any reason you can't hear it or see it well at home online because we're not able to embed it with the time delay in Facebook Live, um, just go, just Google Oh God movie clips and you will be able to find these this afternoon and play them again if you want to play them again at home. But this is the Oh God movie clip, the interview scenes, and see if you hear anything of use. Don't smoke. I don't. Good. The tobacco was one of my big mistakes. Mistakes? You try. Ostriches were a mistake. Silly looking things. Avocados made the pit too big. Like I say, you try. You still don't believe it? Artie, if this is you, man, you win. Uh, this is the best gag you've ever pulled. I'm not outie. Went to a lot of trouble to make it a comfortable interview. You misspelled it, you know. What? I interview. Uh, in your note. It's, uh, it's, it's I, it's I before E. Give me a break. A few things I got right. I put summer before winter, didn't I? scared. 
Well, sure. Now, but look, if this is a joke, it's gone too far. It's no joke. How come you've got such a... I mean, just a voice, like everybody's? Empathy. I'm talking to you in a way you can accept. I'm relating. I don't like to brag, but if I appear to you just as God, how I really am, what I really am, your mind couldn't grasp it. Look, I think you made a mistake. I'm not religious. So? Well, I'm not one of your believers. And I sure as heck don't believe this. That's why I showed up. Too many non-believers. But I, but I read in an article that religion is on the upswing. Religion is easy. I'm talking about faith. You're going to help me change that. Me? I, I don't belong to any church. Neither do I. Go back to work. I don't want you to get in trouble. Thank you. We'll talk on the way. How? Trust me. Like it says on the money. All right, that's the Oh God interview clip. But even after this interview, and again, you might recognize this from the other movies, Jerry still needs some convincing. Have you ever felt that way with God? Like, hey, God, I get the faith thing, but I need to know that you're real. I need to know that you have some power in this world. I need to know that you're present with us in this pandemic and that you're guiding us towards some sort of new future that is better. Have you ever felt like that? Well, here's what happens next. I call this riding in the car with God. Here's what happens next. I see you know a lot of things, and, and, and you've been making a lot of things happen, but, but none of it seems... Godlike. Yeah, Godlike. And what to you would be Godlike? Uh, change the weather. Ah, special effects, huh? What would you like, a little a little earthquake, uh, a small hurricane? Well, no, no, I, I wouldn't want anybody hurt. I was just thinking maybe, uh, what about a little rain? A little rain? Yeah, a, a small shower. One small shower, you got it. Hey, hey, it's raining. You made it rain. You didn't even bat an eye. You, you didn't have to lift a finger. Rain's not that hard. It's unbelievable. Would you like it to rain a little harder? No, no, this is fine. How about bigger drops? No, it's fine, fine. Would you care for a little snow? I don't believe it. Hey, hey, it's not raining outside. It's just in here. Why should I spoil everybody today? This is fantastic. Thank you. It's just like Noah's Ark. Same thing, without the smell. About to ask you. Uh, never mind. My, my radiator must be leaking. I'm sorry about that. A uh, radiator doesn't hold that much water. 
All right, that clip is called Riding in the Car with God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had a conversation with God in your car? Right? That is actually sometimes my favorite conversation on the way home from church. I've told some of you about that, that I praise God. I say, thank you, God. Sometimes it's like, seriously, God? Really? And sometimes it's like, help me, God. I'm going to need some help to be able to accomplish this or do this or help people through this. Riding in the car with God, I highly recommend it. It's a great place for prayer. But in the movie, after more convincing from God, Jerry holds a news conference to deliver the news he received from God, which then lands Jerry in a courtroom where God must take the stand in Jerry's defense. Now, maybe it's because I used to be a lawyer, but it's one of my favorite scenes. I really invite you, again, it's dated, but listen carefully. God is taking the stand in Jerry's defense. This is the Oh God movie clip, the courtroom scene. What's my most impressive miracle? Aha. Pick a card. Uh, what? Pick a card. Any card. I, I, I don't know what you think you're doing. A cute little miracle. Go ahead, pick one. Well, there are no cards there. Look again. Oh, oh come on now. There's nothing miraculous about good sleight of hand. Have you ever seen this one? Well, yes, yes, I've, I've seen them make cards appear and disappear. As a matter of fact, I once saw a magician make an elephant disappear. Good. Now I'll show you one that you haven't seen. Got to get these shoes fixed. <laughs> Watch this, Your Honor. in these times to have faith. But maybe if you could have the faith to start with, maybe the times would change. You could change them. Think about it. Try. And try not to hurt each other. There's been enough of that. And it really gets in the way. I'm a god of very few words, and Jerry's already given you mine. However hopeless, helpless, Mixed up and scary it all gets. It can work. If you find it hard to believe in me, maybe it would help you to know that I believe in you. Your Honor, I rest my case. So I'm going to repeat some of that last part again, especially in case on Facebook Live, You did not hear all the words. God says towards the end of this movie, I know how hard it is in these times to have faith, but maybe if you could have the faith to start with, maybe the times would change. You could change them. Think about it. Try, says God. 
And God goes on and says, try not to hurt each other. There's been enough of that. It really gets in the way. However, hopeless, helpless, mixed up, and scary it all gets, it can work. And God says, if you find it hard to believe in me, maybe it would help to know that I believe in you. God says, I believe in you. And your honor, I rest my case. And then towards the end of the movie, Jerry and God evaluate the success of their mission. And because of some other things that happen in the movie, Jerry, the store manager, judges the mission to be a failure. And God says, I don't think so. God says in the movie, you never know. A seed here and a seed there, something will catch hold and grow. And that is the story of our faith. A seed here, a seed there, something will catch hold and grow. We know the kingdom of God is growing in new and powerful and miraculous ways during this time of challenge and unrest and reckoning. All we need to do here at St. John's is to continue to plant these mustard seeds of faith, one person at a time, no matter the circumstances. That is our spiritual mission now and forevermore. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, you are the gardener of all creation. You planted this world with the seeds of your love, and you grow those seeds with your faithfulness. God, we are your harvest. We find our meaning and our sustenance ultimately in you. May our minds listen to your calling. May our hearts be attuned to your will. May our feet follow you in the world. Through Jesus, the word become flesh. Amen.